Hello, and welcome to this Hollywood Bowl edition of Stand Partners for Life. I'm Nathan Cole. And I'm Akiko Taramoto. This being midsummer, well, for most people, it's the end of summer. We're we're just kind of hitting our stride in the Hollywood Bowl part of our season, uh, summer season. So, figured it would be a great time to talk about the bowl, what it what it means to us. Is it a very sentimental place, or uh, just another place we go show up to work? Um, I actually started this job during the bowl season. I think for the very beginning of the bowl season. Did you also? Yeah. That's right. Um, when you were here the first time, anyway. My f- first time, yeah. I think it was not the first week of the bowl, but it was like a month in or something, or maybe a couple of weeks in, yeah. I There's probably a big up. tradition of that, uh, people joining orchestras for summer seasons, because in Chicago, I mean, my, my very first two weeks were in, you know, in orchestra hall, but then really I felt like my first big CSO experience was Ravinia. Well, my first day at work in chicago was was at ravinia that's right you know. that is right um ooh, i think i was pretty hungover <laughs> <laughs> that day that was a long a long drive to ravinia yeah so <clears throat> suffice it to say we agreed to carpool or i agreed to drive you because you didn't have a car right that's right to, at that yeah. point i didn't have a car yeah so i said i'd drive you so you were so hungover that I felt really, really bad on the way back. <laughs> and I tried to drive like as smoothly as possible, not like lurch on and off the gas or the brake or anything. That's hard for you. And the I traffic know. was really bad. I remember it was like a two hour ride home, <laughs> like Yikes. literally two hours. For those of you who know, it's like, what, not even 30 miles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chicago traffic, you know, for, for all the reputation we have here in LA for traffic, Chicago traffic is brutal too. And maybe never more than that day. Yeah, um, I think that was the worst I've ever seen it, you know, felt really bad for you. <laughs> yeah, well, lesson learned um, for for the time being anyway. But yeah, different orchestra, different venue. And, you know, Ravinia, while it could be a beautiful place, um, I, I don't think it's ever a place that we looked forward, <laughs> forward to going. And certainly, you know, I didn't really look forward to the, the shows there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, things may have changed now. I don't know, but you, you never looked forward to go. I mean, I liked Ravinia, especially the f- my first couple years before we'd sort of exhausted everything that Highland Park had to offer. And you know what? Since we never had kids, mm-hmm. oh, I enjoyed wandering around Highland Park, you know, especially when we there was really nothing, no obligation we had to take care of with the dog or anything. It was right. I, I'm not saying everything about the experience was terrible, but I just mean you know, musically to, to walk out onto the Ravinia stage to play for that audience. Um, I, I just always felt that it would have been better in orchestra hall. Well, that's true. No, I think it was, it wasn't so much that it was outdoors because, you know, it's kind of nice to have an outdoor summer season, I guess. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that I felt unfulfilled artistically necessarily. Oh, that certainly happens, you know, anywhere you go, but, um, I think it was more that it didn't have like I think we always felt envious of Tanglewood. Maybe we still do, but you know I've, I've never actually been to the shed even. But it's like yeah, so you know people are on a lawn having wine, having fun. There's something about the sort of half and half and half setup with like you have an indoor pavilion and then you've got like an exterior lawn that some people would sort of camp out on. It sort of didn't feel like a festive atmosphere as much. Yeah. I mean, that's my main point. I, I'm I'm trying to make the point that the Hollywood Bowl is a really cool venue in in ways that Ravinia was not. Okay. I mean, do you <laughs> agree with I missed that your or... setup. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know how much, like, it's such a different, it's a different orchestra, um, it's different people, you know, I mean, it's like a, this location, you know, Ravinia being, these are all part of your point, too, I think, Ravinia being you know, a good bit north of, of the actual city of Chicago, that was a problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, not trying to be too much of a cheerleader. I just I don't see why this is so difficult. It's like we're t- talking about you know Madison well, Square tr- Garden compared <laughs> to some high I'm school trying, gym. I'm trying not to say too many horrible things about our our 
old employers because you never know. Yeah, but Ravinia was not our old employer. That's true. <laughs> Fine. We, weren't we love the Chicago it. Symphony, but I mean, anyway, this is the Hollywood Bowl. This is not some it's Hollywood. Ball. It's not <laughs> 18,000 people. So, um, and you know, we have our, our issues with the Hollywood Bowl too, but it is a pretty cool concept. It's been around forever. Oh, the Beatles have played the Hollywood Bowl. Monty Python. Hello, I would like to bear fish license, please. That's true. Chuck Mangione. <laughs> Our kids now love the Chuck Mangione Live at the Hollywood Bowl album. I but, wouldn't um, even know what that was except for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, feels so good. Yeah, we've got a lot we can say about the bowl. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this episode. You can tell. Yeah, I didn't know that you were so fired up about the bowl. <laughs> I, I took this long to figure that out. Well, here, okay, here's the test because when I talk to people who haven't been there, they always say how they can't wait to get there and to see it. And that's, you know, because they've heard things from other people. And when folks do go for the first time, okay, they always complain about the parking. They say the parking and the driving is insane and all that. But the experience of seeing a concert at the bowl, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who's been disappointed. It's always a fun night. Huh. Um, I always assume that sometimes they're being polite. Yeah, but the way they sit, I mean, people were polite about Ravinia too. I think the fact that going, bringing the picnic, bring your wine, it's, it's it's a really integral part of the experience in a way that that wasn't in Chicago, I think. Sure. I mean, I didn't mean to make this like a head to head, you know, Boo Ravinia comparison. So no, me either. I, I thought we'd just mention it and it would be such Move a... Move on. <laughs> yeah. I managed to belabor it. Um, but you know, that's, so that's the thing about the bowl. I think there's a fun atmosphere and um, I think they've consciously cultivated that. So to, you know, to the people's credit and who i'm crediting but um the food is great now i think yeah well i mean they have the team from a big famous restaurant group out here doing yeah. the food at the bowl um so people are really happy with the food um even i you know sometimes i show up and it's it's like a huge struggle for me not to like run out and get a ice cream sandwich or <laughs> some soft serve or like a bucket of popcorn I mean, like they're just you know it's just a very it's, it's like there's a lot of options yeah um yeah, but to me, I mean, I can't. The parking seems like such a huge deterrent, and that not not even just the traffic. I mean, the parking. I got you know we've talked to people, our friends, who say they waited over an hour to get their car afterwards. It's, it seems insane. I mean, like you go to a Dodgers game, you can get out of there like right away. And if we couldn't, it wouldn't go. Like the Dodgers, you know, it's super fun to go there too. But like, if it took an hour to get out, forget it. I wouldn't do it. We'll get to the parking and the driving because that is a that's a major concern not as much of a concern for us in the orchestra because at least they still give us good parking there let's but, not jinx it yeah but as far as the audience experience i mean why why do people have such a good time there you mentioned the atmosphere and yeah it's just a huge i mean bowl is a good word i guess it's a what a quarter of a bowl an eighth of a bowl or something huh? i mean like people aren't sitting all the way around the stage right right but i mean but it's a bowl-shaped depression and it's, a, it's a shell right it, it's, yeah it's like a giant... but i mean it's a natural like it oh. started as a naturally occurring oh, weird canyon right so they built this giant stage and the stage has gotten so much bigger the shell right. over the, the years since the bowl is what a hundred years old or more i think they, they started having research. concerts there in the early part of the 20th century yeah the audience takes a you look up out there and you know, you look at the first few sections and it looks like a lot of people and then your eye just keeps going up and up and up and yeah, 18,000. So that's, that's cool to be a part of. I know people feel like they're part of a, a rock concert and they do have rock acts there. Sure. And I mean, I think it's very suited for that, obviously with the amplification and good food. Yeah. Drinks. You can, you can bring your own food and drinks. You can easily get stuff there. Is this the time yeah. to mention art? our envy at the the people sitting in what we call what they call the pool circle area yeah because i think with this comes into audience experience which i think is where we are right now um it's it so looks, what's the experience of those uh, rich folks i mean i wouldn't front? know <laughs> i just know what i see which is 
that it just looks amazing. They're like sitting, you know, they're sitting close, but they're still, you know, they're not like super, super close. You know, they're not like in our laps or anything. And they're, and they're, they've got bottles of wine. We see them sometimes like kind of, they're clearly talking to each other about which bottle of wine they're going to open. And then, like, <laughs> yeah, well, they sit, um, what these boxes in the, what they call the pool circle this very front, right? Which used to be water, which yeah. is what they call it, the pool circle. Are they like, four yeah, to a table? Are they? I don't even know. I mean, like, it just looks like could be an expansive, four, could be six, very but you get your own, people. There's a little partition, right? It separates your table from. Well, sure. I mean, it's like the boxes. Next table. I mean, it's, yeah. But yeah. I forget um, how many. I mean, it's just looks amazing. And then, you know, we're, we're playing and there's people, servers running out with buckets of popcorn. And I mean, and that's not, I mean, that's just like, oh, yeah. you, you know, you're just sitting there thinking, you know, I'd like some popcorn. I, but, you know, they bring you dinner and then after you've had your dinner and <laughs> you can, whatever win, you know, occurs to you, yeah, like some popcorn, like some more wine and like, you know, like some dessert and like, like an ice cream sandwich. Yeah. It's just like, they'll just, you know, they're just there to do your bidding while we perform for them, which is, you know, yeah, I remember what you're saying amazing. about deciding on the wines too. Uh, sometimes we're playing, and I'm, uh, you know, maybe I don't like the conductor or something, and I'm just kind of wishing things would move along. And I'm holding some long note, and I happen to cast my eye out there, and yeah, there's some really overfed guy right in the front, and he's holding two bottles of wine, and he's clearly, you know, asking his companion, trying to decide between them, and you can actually <laughs> hear them open the bottles sometimes. You know, you hear oh, the yeah. cork coming out, and yep. you hear the wine splashing into the cup, and yeah, yeah I, don't, a, I don't think I ever get get, a, get so far as hear the wine splashing. You've got very sharp ears. Well, you have to, you know, you have to have the next few bars memorized. You have to be <laughs> looking out there to. <laughs> um, to be a piece you know well. Wine bottles rolling—that's something we hear a lot of. Yep. Actually, the other day I had like a weird, a weird like a prescient moment where it was like a quiet part in the Tchaikovsky program, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, and here, here's going to be like." We hear a bunch of wine bottles falling over, and yeah, oh. lo and behold, there was yeah, that happened. Down. Because of the way it's shaped, of course, it's quite steep. Yeah, if you lose hold of, so, yeah, people are constantly forgetting and kicking over a wine bottle, especially as it gets later <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> so any any quiet spots in the music are likely to be punctuated by um, rolling wine bottle noises. Well, even just um, a couple of nights ago with Bramwell Tovey, who's one of our favorite bull conductors. Yay. <laughs> um, there was so clearly a champagne cork that that popped <laughs> during a quiet part of uh, what was the piece? Uh, what was the Tchaikovsky spectacular? Right, but I mean, it could have been anything. Could have been. Yeah, it could have been either the 1812 overture or um, Eugene Onegin or Capriccio Italian. I think most likely Capriccio Italian. Yeah, like long, draggy, slow parts. And um, champagne cork came out during one of them, and he actually turned around and made a gesture to the audience. But you know, when he does it, he's never admonishing people. He's, you know, he he makes clearly because there was a lot of laughter out in the audience when he did it. You didn't, you don't remember this? I do, but I I, I didn't hear the champagne cork. So oh, okay. I, I wasn't sure what he was doing. I think I was grateful. I think it was like right after I missed that huge. Um, <laughs> slide of course everybody heard me do that no kidding um nathan heard me do it it was terrible but then like after that was this passage and then he was like making light of this the champagne cork and i was grateful because i wasn't in a great mood at that point well isn't that the same slide that i beefed the night yeah, before but i had no business even trying i mean i had like no idea where that top note was right, so we each missed it big no, but you like honor. you knew you thought you were gonna get it. I started sliding and I had no idea where I was going and unsurprisingly I ended up like an entire step. Well, what's what's worse if, you, if you're, no, you're but, sure you're no, gonna it's get it? No, much worse because I didn't know what I, I was just like. Hey, I'm I'm gonna like screw around and you know, I never would have tried that. And I don't know what I think I have jet lag or something. You know, which you is are like still a little. Which jet is lag. not. I mean, like, how do soloists do it? How do they like you know nail things every night playing from you know in different time zones? Like I, I can't even handle like one trip across the Atlantic once every you know two years. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I when I was younger, I thought, ha, these uh these phony soloists, they only have you know three concertos they play during the year, and that might be an exaggeration, but definitely uh when you're jet lagged, it's much more comforting to play something that you've played a, a few times before and capriccio yeah. italian I, I don't think i'd played since i was a teenager yeah i don't remember the last time i played it but um well, whatever you know 
It was just, uh, anyways, it's part of the bowl experience. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Missing big slides. Missing big slides and trying not to, I think I made a really terrible face, which could bring us to our next topic of the Jumbotron screens, which they installed. When did they do Were they already here by the time you got here? Yes. They were, okay. So this, you know, we could call this part of the audience experience, but it also becomes now part of our experience as well they always had screens ever since i've been part of this orchestra uh-huh. but apparently there was a big upgrade maybe five <laughs> years <hijack>. ago <laughs> um was that so, was that when when the reviewer mentioned yes it, it was so we'll, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> no, about that come but. on that has to be part of the story oh no it'll it's be a part, part of the, of the perils story of being I, concertmaster but i want uh, folks to know what we're talking about it so no matter where you're sitting you know among the eighteen thousand people there are at least four big screens um positioned and people actually seem to really like them the sound and the picture are actually supposedly quite good out there um so you can always see and hear what's going on and they have how many cameras on stage maybe four of them that you know they're up on these poles and they can be controlled by the people who are doing the you know they have people controlling cameras anyway so they stick them on the wind soloist when there's a solo and stick them on the concert master mostly they're on the conductor because there's one in the back of the stage of course covering the conductor's face and yeah so they they warn us a couple times every summer you know remember you're you could be on camera at any moment don't pick your nose don't make fate that's the big thing don't make faces don't grimace when something goes wrong you never know you could be on camera Eighteen thousand people could be watching you i really Again, I don't know what it is. I was kind of like a little bit slow. You know, I missed that huge shift. And then I just made this horrible face that I'm, you know, could have been odds are the camera's not on me and whatever. But even if it was like no one would even really, unless it was like panned up on my, you know, on me, which the odds are even slimmer. I'm sure it was fine, but you just, you get worried. And then, so yeah, I'm here a couple stories of specific things that have been caught on camera (laughs) or (laughs) mentioned. So what was that? Oh, no, I guess it was the DVD, actually, when we did Verdi Requiem. And the cameras caught um, one of the violists in the front ducking. Like, there was, like, a bug that flew out on yeah. the stage. And then, for some reason, yeah, the cameras caught him, like, like ducking, really, like, dramatically. Oh, yeah. To avoid He it. totally took his bow off the string, and, it, like, the bug dive-bombed him, and he, like, really did a big swoop. Yes, and it's <laughs> in there, you know, and, like, and why... Why they left that in, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing when it's alive, you know. Yeah, it's one thing to have it on the Jumbotron, but to like leave it in the DVD seems strange. Um, but l- I, I would like to tell the story of... All right, go ahead. I think it was at the first concert with the high-def screens. Yeah, supposedly. And Nathan had the great privilege of being concertmaster for that concert. The review the next day mentioned the high-def screens and how they were working and they looked, you know, how, how nice they were or whatever. And then it did mention a few drawbacks, one of which was um, the quote-unquote pimple-close shots of members of the orchestra. And unfortunately, for, you never get pimples. Like I've seen, I think you have, you've had, like this was like the one pimple you've had in the past eight years. And it was just <laughs> happened to be reaching its zenith that evening. On the right side of my face. On the right side of his face. And, and so he appeared unwittingly in the review i mean it could have been someone else's pimple but i think the odds are it was probably yours yeah so yeah you know, who, who, who says you never get mentioned, mentioned playing, Nathan? But... you know i mean yeah. they, they noticed you all right and uh <clears throat> one other appearance related jumbotron story was one i'm fond of telling about my our friend ken olson oh right came to a concert as some people know i i stopped dyeing my hair a few years ago and it's all gray and it's and I'm prematurely very gray so um but I'm you know I've made my peace with it I'm like that's it's cool and you know <laughs> it's cool I, I like I like being mistaken for grandma once in a while um so our friend Ken came to the concert and afterwards um he looked he had this sort of perplexed look on his face you know and I'm sort of used to not getting compliments from from him after our concert he's very he has really high standards so i knew he wasn't gonna say you know it sounded great or anything but so he comes up and he's like um you can see everything on those screens and i was like oh yeah you know i'm trying to like i can sense where he's going with this i'm like oh yeah yeah i 
figured <laughs> you know should i wear more makeup haha ha. he goes yeah everybody needs to wear more makeup and i was like oh all right that's you know suggestion noted <laughs> he turns to me and goes um and akiko if you want to dye your hair you should <laughs> and i was like okay thanks thank you <laughs> i will uh, think about that <laughs> so yes yep. that apparently i don't know how it looks out there but it might maybe with the lights it's like blazing white or something i don't know probably (laughs) i'm sure it's uh well you know i love your hair and Mm -hmm. i hear i I hear not hear compliments on it all the time yeah i think they're anyway this is this is not about my hair but uh but yes the jumbotron highlights various features that may or may not (laughs) need or want to be highlighted (laughs) Yeah, well, I, you know, I adopt a strict skincare regimen during the summer. So <laughs> ward those off now. The, the Jumbotron skin regimen. Well, let's talk about driving and parking because that's, you know, that's a big part of our experience. And like you were saying, for a lot of audience members, you know, that really decides, I think, whether they come to the bowl or not. Because the bowl is a lot cheaper than coming to Disney Hall. So let's say it were perfectly easy to get in and out. I mean, everybody in LA would come because it's such a cool location and yeah, it's not I that mean, expensive. Can't they make it easier? It just seems incredibly difficult. Well, it was, you know, it was built at a time when that was kind of out of the way. You know, Hollywood, the Hollywood mm-hmm. Hills, because it's really at the the base of the Hollywood Hills. And that was, you know, a rural playground really for the new money people I coming see. in and so and see that was the the little wilderness place that you'd go to hear a concert and unfortunately now it's right in the middle of everything and there's only there's exactly two lanes in and two lanes out there's like a bunch of dry you know barren hills nearby like can't they just hollow them (laughs) so far like i don't understand (laughs) la there's i mean like we always say this like we go somewhere down i mean i know downtown la is supposedly like this hot place now but it's like no reason you know the curbs are all painted red and like someplace completely desolate where you can't even see a business that anyone is patronizing and yet all the spots or whatever <laughs> available park parking there. there is they're all taken and you're just like how is this even so you know i i, I do feel like they could um i mean it obviously costs money to build anything even parking but yeah so the situation now is i mean the you've got to make sure that you get there early. So, I mean, we leave probably an hour and 15 minutes to get to these concerts. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least an hour. And because you can, it's possible, you know, you can be pulling up within sight of the Hollywood bowl half an hour before, and it might take you half an hour to get in and get parked, especially if you don't have privileged parking. And then once you do get in, they use this stack parking, right? So you you can be in a row of cars, 20 cars long. And that that's true for the orchestra as well as for the general public. So yeah, unless, unless, well, we'll, we'll get to, you know, these, these even more special privileges, but um, that you have? D- different people get privileges in different ways. Right. So, um, but what many people will do are they'll take shuttles like if you're you're here in Pasadena, for example, you can catch a shuttle bus and then it'll drop you at the bowl. And after the concert, you just catch the shuttle bus and they give the buses priority entry and exit from the bowl. So that's clearly the way to go. I mean, if we weren't in the orchestra and we wanted to go to a concert there, I'm sure that's what we do. Cause you just take a picnic, take your picnic basket on the bus. And, and you know, that's a sort of a weird green underside to this whole experience i mean most things about la are not green at all so you know it's nice that a lot of people opt to take the buses yeah but as you know for a lot of the summer um i do get to play concertmaster and for whatever reason they've decided that concertmaster gets some kind of a spot yeah don't get used to it (laughs) yeah Yeah, no i i'm never going to take it for granted i assume it could disappear anytime um but because my job you know i'm not the concertmaster of the LA Phil. So for some concerts there, I'm concertmaster and for others, I'm not. And uh, so whenever I pull up, there's always this, this uncomfortable moment where the, <laughs> the parking attendant, you know, he sees me, he's kind of like, uh, usually they just ask or they just, they, their voice goes up a little bit. They're like concertmaster. And, you know, usually I'm like, yes. And sometimes no, not tonight. 
but then actually this very last concert was the best one we pulled up and the guy was kind of a younger guy and he's like uh concert masters and i are just regular <laughs> that was that was by far the best i was saying i think that's that should be the title of my memoir eventually just regular yeah so it you know if the i get a concert master spot then it's quicker for us to get out afterward but this getting out afterward i mean that's really where everybody in the orchestra has got this down to a science and they always warn us you know it, it looks unsightly you guys for <laughs> the conductor to leave the stage and then everybody starts running off stage well you know <laughs> no they don't say that that often i mean they said that this summer but every summer previous like i i kept waiting for someone to announce like oh please you know walk calmly off the stage like don't be in a hurry like just the important things that we all get out safe i mean because i'm always amazed that no one gets run over i mean it just it's amazing there are people like thousands of people just streaming down this hillside and at the same time there are orchestra members you know who are stuck all the way at the top of the stack attempting to back out well, yeah. there are these people streaming past their car, and it's like, I have no idea how this all goes on without anyone getting... Because it's dark, too. Because, you know, it's you can't just sort of tap somebody and have them move on with their life. <laughs> like, if you touch somebody, like, they're going to freak out, and that'll be, you know, it's an incident. So, I don't know how it works. And, like, and if you're, you know, you're... Now, even with the backup cameras, you're parked a little bit down the hill, like, facing downward. The right, camera that's doesn't the other thing. It's a the, big hill. It's a weird angle. You're not really seeing everything, all the information that you need to make this exit safely. So it's it's actually a miracle that anybody... So yeah, I figured that at some point someone would be like, really, let's just, you know, calmly get out of here. What are we talking about? Like five, two to five minutes of time, you know, that you're going to be sitting there. You know, it's not like you're going to be trapped for hours. Like you're going to be, you're going to get out. Like you don't have to endanger your life or anyone else's no they can say that all they want but i know but some of our colleagues but they've never said that they have never once said that the the message in fact i thought that it was going to be announced last year you know let's let's just calm down and just instead they said here's a reminder that people are trying to get out (laughs) make sure you get back to your car in a timely fashion i was like wait are you kidding so they're actually saying you're not getting back to your car fast enough you need to get out faster yeah well so the idea is we have the advantage right because we're we're on stage we're closest to the parking so if everybody knows if they hustle then they can get to their cars before the audience gets to theirs and then they can get out right so uh, i mean there's there's no way they can legislate people anyway all all we're trying to do is not going to legislate but even just like to make an announcement to suggest you panic even further which seemed irresponsible it was like don't incite people to I mean, one time, you know, we had a pregnant colleague who got pushed over. Yeah, getting out of the bowls. It really is just like, you know, every man for himself when you get out there. Well, um, sorry, I, uh, this may not have been when Paul Stein said this line, but, um, you know, as far as wiping off the instrument, you know, getting the rosin dust off the instrument and the strings after the concert, there's no time for that after a, a hollywood bowl concert and yeah no there is and i think um also oh, so paul's line but... right so the, the since retired colleague a violinist from the orchestra paul stein yeah saw saw somebody wiping no no i told him because oh. i was all packed up and you were still and oh I was you like, told come on, him come on. oh wow can you yeah, believe and I was nathan like, i was like you know god he takes so long and I was like, I think he's cleaning his violin or something. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what June is for. <laughs> yeah. June, June being our vacation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I remember the first concert that we played there together. Oh, this was your first concert at the bowl ever. And I think I was sort of proud of myself for having done this before, you know. Right. Being the veteran, really, even though, you know, it was technically my first night back or something. And. And you're, you know, you really, like, people were, we started to walk off the stage, and people are start, you know, running, and I, I start running to my case, and you're still calmly walking, like, like, stubbornly, calmly walking to your case, and I was like, Nathan, you have to hurry. You were like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, you see these people? You have to run. And you were like, no, 
no, I'm, I'm not going to. And you start like wiping off your violin and you're putting away your violin. I was like, Nathan, like, trust me. And finally you see that people are just like pushing each other to get out. And you're like, oh, all right. And you start walking out there. You're walking. People are running past you, shoving us out of the way. And then, then I think we sat there for what, like 10 minutes trying to get our car out. And the next time you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. I think we're going to, we're going to nah, hustle a little bit more. I try to figure out what's less stressful. I mean, take your time in the end and be stuck for five, ten minutes. Or is it more stressful to worry about running off stage and oh, I mean, trying clearly, to get car fast? Stressing about it for two hours, not worth it. <laughs> Do- doesn't mean, doesn't make for great artistry. <laughs> no, but that's the bowl, right? You're amplified. You're thinking about your parking. <laughs> it's a experience. wonderland. <laughs> Well, I've made and peace wait, what with was it. this you were saying about how fun it is the bowl? well no i've 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 made peace with it i I know you know now I'm more used to getting out in a timely fashion, yeah, but you get it now it's like you know the running is part of the experience uh yeah, I like still the running of the musicians I'm like you it's I like think Pamplona. there should be a better way, but since that's how it is now i yeah when in Rome well, let's talk about uh one other not so pleasant aspect of the uh, bowl experience although weather I, I wrote down weather um weather's generally pretty good for us i mean we can count on things being somewhere between 70 and 70 and 98 <laughs> <laughs> well on stage in the evening i think I it actually know. was like 100 at some point what last really last last summer was bad there have been a couple summers that really stood out to me i mean it can get hot in la of course i mean that hollywood hills Anyway, most of our concerts are between 70 and 82, and it almost never rains. Although that's, I wish it would rain. Um, and the bugs, are, you know, there are a couple bugs, but nothing like Ravinia. I mean, Ravinia, that's we were smashing true. bugs on, on that music I know, but sometimes on a nightly like, basis. Yeah, but there were like harmless bugs. Like here we get, sometimes we get bees, sometimes a cicada, which again, doesn't scare me that much, although... You can't like dull the instinct to freak out when something that big buzzes. Near oh yeah, your head. especially when you're you're concentrating, you're playing, yeah, and then something just comes out of nowhere. It's different from if you're out doing, yeah, chores or farm work or something, and the bug yeah. comes around. I mean, this you're like you're supposed to be holding some note really quietly. Yeah, swatting the thing away, and then I think now's the right time to tell the story about the conductor who found something buzzing around his ankle assumed it was a very large bug well at first it was not around his ankle it was up closer to his hands and that was the problem it was actually interfering with the beat pattern and then it got to his foot well it kept buzzing around his hands and so finally he made you know he swatted it down just to get it out of the way and (laughs) once he saw that it was safely you know unconscious on the podium he squished it oh yeah but it turned out to be a sweet hummingbird (laughs) it was a hummingbird (laughs) who had before buzzing up the podium had made some friends in the second violin section so everyone was extra traumatized when um it became a little pile of feathers yeah it, it was and it was the kind of thing once done it was hard. I think we probably had 20 more minutes left in the concert at that point. I was concert master. <laughs> Speaking of stifling your horrified face for the camera. Yeah, that oh, was, yeah. That was I mean, because there it is for 20 minutes. You're trying to look at anything but that. Um, and he, you know, he's just in the moment. All from his perspective, it was just there was something buzzing around. He kind of swatted it down, saw his chance to get rid of it permanently and stepped on it. Yeah. Um, but then so the concert ends the applause happens he steps down takes his bow and then he turns to me still kind of with a frozen smile for the cameras and he's like what was that <laughs> and i said i it yeah it was a little bird <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a darling <laughs> darling sweet little bird you're, um, you'll be henceforth known as the bird murderer <laughs> i wonder if he's worn those shoes again um good conductor Nice shoes. He was he had a lot of. <laughs> he's a very nice stylish shoes. guy. Yeah. He had a lot going for him. I think we're I think we're seeing him again. So we won't even mention his name. Um, you know, in we case he becomes our he... next music director. And what other? We've got 
I mean, we don't have nearly enough time to, to give the in-depth treatment to all the topics we've got lined up. So a little rapid fire for rapid. some other parts Free of the bull experience. Um, well, a lot of people come to the bull only for the fireworks concerts, and there are a lot of them during the summer. Um, but most famously, the Tchaikovsky Spectacular, which I, I just learned um, because we just actually played those two Tchaikovsky Spectacular fireworks concerts this last week. Um, this was the 50th anniversary. Yay. So it always, of course, ends with 1812, which is not an easy piece. Um, yeah, the famous right? parts, Weird. Famous parts uh, seem easy, um, but that piece is, what, 15 minutes long and the first 12 minutes if only are... The, if only the fireworks started earlier. Um, or we took a cut most of it's like in six flats and yeah it's it's pretty tough I mean, and you know i think the toughest part is just like the audience is just waiting for those fireworks and they're like i know that's what you want you're just gonna just sit here and we're treading water for the next <laughs> well it's funny because the end the end starts with the marseillaise right so the story of the french invading russia and everything so you get then so people hear that they start clapping and especially if they're really drunk um <laughs> but that actually appears really early in the piece too yeah too um, early. they get the mercy so they're, they're always about cut. eight people cut. in the audience that start cheering then yeah! and <laughs> then fireworks don't happen they've got to sit through 10 more minutes of six yeah. flats stuff um I remember playing that piece with fireworks as a 13-year-old subbing in the Lexington Philharmonic. And, and we would actually, we would only start with the last three pages. So we'd start oh, right where it goes. Oh, that's the way to go. I mean, we should do that. But it would still, there was still half a page of really bad stuff. Dun, well, that's dun, fine, but it's still less than, you know. And I remember thinking, how could anybody, you know, because at that point I had a growing awareness, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. Maybe not play with fireworks at the horse farm, but in general playing in an orchestra. And um, I thought, you know, I would have to practice these three pages for like six hours just to learn all these notes and these six flats. And I just thought, how could... Six hours? I've never seen you practice six hours. Well, maybe not in one day. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> even Heifetz didn't practice six hours in one what? day. Sure he did. No, no, no. He said no. He said five hours maximum. <laughs> In fact, he may have even, and you know, who knows what his childhood was like because he he won't say. Anyway, I'm not trying to I'm not putting myself in the same category as J H. J H. But um, yeah. Anyway, I, about 1812, I thought like, how could anybody learn all these notes and. You know, in some ways, I'm older and wiser now, and there, there are tricks. And you gain experience, you learn the notes, but still, it's it's tricks a hard like piece. Diminuendo. <laughs> <laughs> tricks like diminuendo. Tricks like tricks yeah, like glissando. Soap on the bow. Um, <laughs> smile for the cameras. But anyway, I, we haven't even mentioned the fireworks displays. Apparently, they're second to none. I mean, apparently, the, because we've never seen them. But yeah, but yes. I mean, the photos and videos I've seen. From the audience, I mean, they say it's just an incredible display. So that's that's a big part of it. Um, Mostly in rehearsals, but occasionally in concerts, we deal with aircraft. So LA is a big, obviously, big tourism hub. People like to take helicopter tours of LA, and even you know, people fly private planes and all that. So supposedly, the Hollywood Bowl is supposed to be off limits. You're not supposed to fly over it and particularly people that do commercial tours are supposed to know it's a verboten and when deborah borda was our president um she was read this irked her this really bothered her <laughs> and it is incredibly distracting i mean especially during a concert but usually we only see it during rehearsals during the daytime and that, you know i'm sure hey if you're a tour operator uh, it's a really cool place to fly over um but it's very distracting. They're not supposed to. And so what Deborah would do, do you remember how there would be one rehearsal every season and she would invite all the commercial... You don't remember this? No. There was always one rehearsal every summer. She would invite all the commercial um, pilots to the rehearsal. Oh. And they would get to watch oh, like us Seinfeld. rehearse. 
and the yeah, they, they'd all be in the audience out there. But and then she would, but there would always be one commercial pilot that she would ask to. Are you making this up? No, no, no. What you, I, what? I'm totally not making this. Jeff would tell us in advance. He said, "This is the pilot rehearsal, so there will be a one point during the rehearsal where there's going to be a helicopter hovering." I. Yes, she would do this. No, yes. I've I'm, never been at this rehearsal. Oh, you totally have. Have I always been off? Like what? Yeah, so she she would, anyway, it was a courtesy and, you know, a nice friendly thing. She would invite all of them to watch a rehearsal and they'd get the VIP treatment. But one of their colleagues would be up in the sky and she would tell the helicopter to hover there. And then they would all hear how, and she, I mean, she would have it hover pretty low and for a long time. What are you so talking they, about? So they what? would hear how... Well, this makes complete sense, but I don't remember this at all. Yeah, once, once each uh, bowl season. So they would hear how disruptive it was, and then they were supposed to get the message like, hey, this is, a, you know... Whatever, they're all deaf anyway. I don't know if that tradition continues, but I haven't heard about it. Um, no, and I don't remember this at all, so... Okay, yeah. well, next. <laughs> this is interesting stuff, and apparently it you're, is interesting, you're learning but stuff It's like I have too, like nothing so. to contribute since it's been eradicated from my memory. All right, before we get to um, some more frivolous things, uh, let's talk about the fact that the L.A. Phil doesn't own, but basically controls the bowl and the bowl season, as opposed to some other orchestras, you know, the summer season for many orchestras, they're at the mercy of wherever they're playing, right? So orchestra X is in residence at Festival Y, and so the festival gets to say, yeah, we want to hear these pieces, and we'd like you to play with these conductors and soloists. And Whereas the Hollywood Bowl, it's the same administration same everything so the programming can tie into what we're doing the rest of the year now that can be good or bad because many orchestras just say okay it's the summer we're going to do crowd pleasing stuff lighter stuff um la phil doesn't tend to work like that it's it's got to be more cutting edge and we do play some concerts that are definitely strictly crowd pleasing but Right. We do a lot of tough stuff at the bowl too, and that's not easy on less limited this rehearsal. summer though. I mean, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I would say less. I do remember last summer a couple of things, but the summer we did do a really great concert, not at the bowl, but during the bowl season, but at Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which um, we've heard good things about. You know, we played it. <laughs> we heard good things from the people who were in the audience. <laughs> this is the Tom Mattis. Yeah. Concert, yeah. So he conducted the concert of all his own music with yeah. dance. And we actually, on this podcast, we've mentioned how last summer it was, I believe, that we played yeah. a piece of his at the bowl that seemed... it was That was challenging for the audience, I think. But um, I was struck by, even on such a little rehearsal, and I was just struck by how much I like his writing. But yeah, you know, at, we have played his music at the bowl, which, as I say, for a lot of orchestras, either by choice or because it's forced on them by the venue they're playing at they gotta play only 1812 and the other pot boilers yeah and you know and i i love seeing a happy audience i mean i love that after these concerts people are thrilled well, yeah i love running into them in the parking lot and having them say they love the concert or ask for your autograph i mean nothing makes me more excited than someone tracking you down for an autograph or a picture i think it's you know it's amazing well that's happened more since we've had the podcast <laughs> maybe but i mean i think we also you know a couple times we've you know we don't mingle out there that much and i think it's just it's just nice to see you i don't know for whatever reason you know internet social media stuff or you know you go jumbotrons pimples <laughs> you're the guy, the guy with the pimple, with the pimple. <laughs> it's the pimple guy no you know they see you and they're like it's nathan it's nathan cole <laughs> They're like, could you just sign it, Pimple Guy? Thank you. <laughs> like, can I write Nathan Colt? No, Pimple Guy. Celebrities at the bowl. Kobe. You get to see Kobe. Yeah. Now, he's not someone that I got to meet face-to-face, -face, no. but apparently he, he took a helicopter to the bowl with his family because he wanted to watch would. why the... wouldn't you like well, yeah we were talking about parking like yeah like yeah he's gonna he's gonna be like i'm gonna hang out with you know the somewhat common man and pay 50 dollars for vip parking no he's gonna pay like two thousand dollars for helicopter parking i'm gonna guess the helicopter is even more than that but i mean obviously i have no idea <laughs> whatever it might be he's uh <laughs> he, he makes a free throw he's getting more than 
two thousand dollars or whatever yeah, whatever yeah. that helicopter costs yeah. um but yeah he was sitting front and center for the john williams concert we've i mean we get yeah a list b list c list <laughs> well as as we've mentioned many times on this podcast i mean sometimes for us it's just as much a thrill to see someone that you recognize from a commercial or right you know, right a, a bit character in one episode of a sitcom that you know you're like oh that's that guy was in one episode of Home Improvement. I remember, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen some like super A-list people. I mean, oh for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, not you've, you. We've interacted with almost none of them, but it's like you know, <laughs> well, but Natalie it's more Portman's possible... been out there because her husband works with the LFL sometimes, right? Um, which is amazing to see her because she's so beautiful. But you talked to William H Macy. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that was weird because it was one of my first bowl concerts. And so right. I thought, oh, this is, this is LA. This is the way it's going to be. And, you know, <laughs> and I then it didn't had happen again. No, it hasn't ever again. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, if I have a concert master room, it's very near the entrance that I guess the so-called VIPs right. well, yeah. use. And right. so if I'm back there. Um, well, the dressing, they have a dressing room just a few feet from yours. So. Right. Well, you mean if they're part of the show. Yeah. But I mean, even oh, right. if they're just, just friends right. of, yeah. So, you know, William H. Macy was, but I come out of my room and there he is right in the hallway right. and I see him and I, I'm sure, and he must be used to this, but you know, I come out of my room, <laughs> I just kind of stop and stare for a second. Like, is that really William H. Macy? And yeah. He just says, hi, <laughs> you know, great concert. Great. Con I'm, I'm Bill, Bill Macy. <laughs> Like, I, you know, I don't know whether to say I know or did you say Bill Macy? <laughs> it's like, I, I thought I thought the screen always said William H. Macy. Um, it's like, yeah, oh, Bill, I, Bill's a great guy. Yeah, and then as soon great. as he left, I had a hundred questions I wanted to ask him about Boogie Nights and I mean, Fargo. And obviously I wasn't going to ask him those. But speaking of Boogie Nights, um, next week, John C. Riley. That's right. And you is, are going to talk to him. Yeah, he's narrating Peter and the Wolf. I am going to make it my business somehow to talk to him. Our kids might yeah. even come to see Peter and the Wolf because yeah, they're suddenly they really into it. Yeah, they are. But um, <clears throat> I was trying to think of any other celebrity interaction. I mean, it's so pitifully few that you had, right? Wait, and, and I well, was expecting that I would get a picture of Sean Hayes um, because I was concert master for Carnival of the Animals. And I'm almost never concert master thank goodness because as you know i don't like doing it it's scary <laughs> um but you know i was doing you have concert it master in your title you're gonna do it yep yeah, it is in my title <laughs> yeah I, I like the title i don't love doing the job so he was there and i was like of course i'm gonna get a picture with him but then i never even really interacted with him at all i never saw him some of those guys go out of their way to really talk to us and and some don't and you know i don't think that right. reflects on how nice they are necessarily i mean the weird the weirdest thing for me is that kareem kareem Ab abdul jabbar right. stopped to, to right. talk to you this was not at the bowl but it was it was at disney this was at disney but yeah. the, i mean this is the guy that famously like, does lifelong not talk to fans would go up to right. him lifelong basketball fans would go up even kids children would go up to him oh, like kids with cancer and he'd and be like so, go away. you know kareem you know I've, uh, I've loved you for you and he stops in the hallway to talk to you. <laughs> this is, and and I and I yeah. wasn't there. No, I, that that's horrible. I'm. It's horrible because I don't even know that I knew. Who he was. I mean, that's so awful. You're like, wow, and this I guy's try, really tall. I try not to be like so out of it with sports because I I, I like sports. <laughs> Yay, sports! But um, I don't I mean, know. He retired. There's like certain people I would definitely recognize, and he should have been one of them. And I think I <clears throat> I kind of didn't. He was so tall that he was clearly a basketball guy. Okay, well, if we run into him again... Um, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's me, Kareem. <laughs> hey, well, no, men mention that, but then also he's a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So. Oh, my God, really? Well, but how has, are you going to bring that up? He well, Be like, hey, Kareem, I love Sherlock Holmes. No, like he wrote uh, a, a fictional... Like he wrote a... He wrote another Sherlock Holmes story. Ah, uh, uh, Kareem. Yeah, he's... Um, yeah. So we haven't seen him at the bowl. We've seen Kobe no. at the bowl. We Supposedly, saw Magic. We played a wedding with Magic. We've seen him not at the bowl. Um, Supposedly, Larry David was at the concert last weekend. Yeah, I'm still not sure if that was him. For sure, we sat 
two feet from him at the gala. Right. But I don't know about the pool, which would make sense if he got offered tickets. I mean, these people must get offered pool circle tickets. They must. Yeah. Well, we missed, we didn't play the Snoop Dogg. Snoop. No, I played it. Oh, you played it. I played it. it. He was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Snoop. If only I'd been playing that, that. I could have. Oh, my God. Again. And he took pictures with people afterwards. That's right. Pictures, videos, mm-hmm. get a, mm-hmm. videos with Dudamel. I mean, that would have been awesome. There are questions I could have asked him. I would. I'm an actual. We're actual kind of Snoop fans. Yes. Right? I wouldn't have done my Snoop impression for him probably, but I could have. I'm sure at, some at least conversed. Totally white guys never come up and tried to do that. You would have been the first. <laughs> Let's briefly. Um, we've only got a few more little topics here um the dress code so we wear as many orchestras do how, how in the are we going to follow that with the dress code well because you know so we're talking about our status compared to celebrities and all that our um, status we don't have any status well that's part of it right because the dress code men wear white dinner jackets right and um as of last summer, I believe. Uh, so we used to have a little latitude in the color of the d- dinner jacket because traditionally a white dinner jacket, you know, the classier ones would be sort of ivory or cream. Wool is a natural fiber. It's not going to be white unless you really, really bleach right. it. And even then it doesn't hold that color. So the only true white dinner jackets are polyester. So I used to have a kind of a nice cream wool dinner jacket. Uh, but starting last summer, no more had to be white. Legislated had to be white. So I tried to look for a nice one. I simply couldn't find it. So now I have a cheapy polyester white dinner jacket. And uh, my favorite is when we are running low on some kind of party or social supply, be it rye or bourbon or gin or vodka, whatever it might be. Um, Absinthe. So before or after a bowl concert and I go into the grocery store or the liquor store wearing my white jacket and black bow tie and um, I always get comments. I mean, I, they never say, oh, you know, the hot, you know, hot party at the valet parking facility tonight. <laughs> but I know that's what they're thinking. <laughs> so to parking a hot party. expensive cars. Yeah. <laughs> no, not going to a hot party. I'm working at a hot party. Oh, oh, oh I see. <laughs> yeah. We are. You know, the pool circle is like the That's hot true. party that we're working at. That's true. I'm I'm working at... You, you need like a bucket of paint thinner to clean it. I think it just... Yeah, you clean it by throwing it into the fire. I think you clean and... it by throwing it out and getting a new one. <laughs> no, I think, I, I think it's like the old test for the witch, right? Like they... <laughs> if it burns, it's yeah, like they... <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> There should be like, when you walk into work, there should be somebody like with a flame, like a blowtorch. And if your if your jacket burns, then like it's not not according to trust. <laughs> I think that's how they finish those jackets. I think they. Take I think that's how they test if we're <laughs> appropriate to be at work. Personally, we can't um, leave the bowl topic without mentioning the the John Williams concerts and the rock rock concert atmosphere that those have, and eighteen thousand people with the lightsabers and all that. And um, and that's I think really the first time that either of us has experienced. Yeah, because you I mean you know no matter how well a Mahler symphony goes, I mean there's a, there's a different kind of applause. <laughs> well for or that. not well, yeah. Um, you know that that may go really well, and there's applause, and that may last for several minutes. And according to our older colleagues in Chicago, there were days in the '70s and '80s when the curtain calls would go on and on for. 10 minutes and you know that that may be so guess you had but to be there <laughs> i guess yeah i guess you did have to be there it's never <laughs> happened to me but it's a different kind of applause different kind of cheering i just you start the star wars theme and the entire place just erupts and lightsabers are waving and yeah and all that. but even just to yeah to see you know, as, especially as it gets totally dark, to see all the lightsabers twinkling on the stage and just knowing that every single available seat in this enormous place is filled. It's, yeah. It's a crazy feeling, yeah. And lastly, <laughs> at the Hollywood Bowl, actually, that has been both of our opportunities for both of us to solo. 
to take a solo turn. Yeah. You much more recently, but yes. Right, but um yeah, I mean during your first tour of duty here in the <laughs> LA Phil, um you were the soloist in the first four campaign. seasons and I I've seen the framed yes. picture, framed poster from that and um I keep hearing the stories about the special parking and cuz when you're a soloist you don't get like right normal parking you don't get normal you don't get orchestra normal, parking you don't get yeah you're not you don't just get normal concertmaster parking you get like the full valet yeah you yeah, get they to take your right car and the they door. like you know act nice and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah that was so what piece was it <laughs> i did you're embarrassing me now it was one movement of the four seasons one mo- well okay one of the seasons you mean yeah well so three movements no, one of the seasons. Right. One season. Well, you said one movement. Well, okay. One one whole season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I'm really embarrassed. I'm and which, which, over. what was that season? <laughs> it was summer <laughs> because I deemed autumn and winter too difficult. They become increasingly difficult, as you know. Do they? Really? They do. You know okay. they do. Autumn is like I mean, double spring stops. Spring is the first <laughs> double stops. <laughs> I mean, spring is the first one you learn, but it's actually, it's got a lot of fast stuff. Well, sure, but the double stops are kind of wonky in autumn, and they get even worse in in winter, so, yeah. Right. You know, because, like, the weather gets worse, so music has <laughs> to get harder, just to get sound more difficult. Um, And I've soloed now, I guess, twice at the yeah, ball. Yeah, look at you. Sinfonia Concertante. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, yeah, that's a hard piece. Yeah, and that was, well, the tough thing about the bowl, I think, is with all our concerts um a few of them will repeat like the tchaikovsky spectacular but um most of them are just one-offs so i did you only play the summer from the four seasons once yeah and we'd done it downtown but we did it with the summer thing too and then yeah Sinfonia concertante was just once at the bowl and then stravinsky concerto which i played in almost a year to the day oh yeah last summer that was only once as well so that's right stravinsky's so awesome so, and it's fun. You know, it's really fun for everyone, you know, when you solo at the bowl. Even I can say that in my little minimal role that I have. But, you know, because you get the parking and... Yeah, you tell everyone you know. Yeah, there's a lot of people around you. The, the atmosphere is very, you know, open to sharing, so... Yeah, I would almost say even more than if you would... Because actually, objectively, it should be a bigger deal if you're soloing at Disney Hall, right? Because that's subscription. Sure, and it is. The season and all that. It is. But... If you tell people, oh, I'm soloing at Disney Hall, that's one thing. If you say, I'm soloing at the Hollywood Bowl, people want to come. Like They're they're going to clear out their calendars. to. Well, but, you know, as you said, it's a very fun atmosphere. Plus, I mean, it's a big deal because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people there. More people, definitely more people will hear you if you solo at the Bowl than at Disney. Yeah. Because, I mean, the maximum capacity of Disney is like, what, 3,100? No, no, no. Oh, it's like, like 20. Closer to 2,100. Yeah. And the bowl, if 2,100 people are there, it's like everybody has their own couch. You know, I mean, yeah. it's more like <laughs> like minimum attendances in the 3,000s. So, sure. I think for a classical concert, minimum is more like seven or eight for us. No, we've seen it be less than that. But yeah. No. Yeah, we have. No, we've never seen. <laughs> yes, that time we heard the sushi people talking about it. They're like, they're only going to be 3,300 tonight. <laughs> We're going to trust their their info. Yes, because they, they get like solid data from, you know. Yeah, like maybe so. They can probably, I mean, I'm sure they can look at how many dragon rolls well, I mean, if, ordered. Yeah, and... I mean, with sixteen with 18,000 seats, you know, if there's 3,200 people there, it does feel like everybody has their own couch. But but it's still, I mean, you're still, there's tons more people hearing you than if you were downtown, even yeah. on a slow night. So. And I just, I've had more success getting friends to come to the bowl. Yeah, I mean. It's weird. I like again. We don't know what it's like to just show up and try to you know, wrangle for parking, and but it must be still a fun experience. I think it's one of those LA experiences you hear about that actually is pretty worth doing. Yeah. Well, so the message is: if you're out here during the months of what? When did it start? It goes a June, long time. You have a long stretch it's like of June time to October this. or something. Should we end with uh, our John Williams bull story? Right, which I wasn't here for, so you have to tell it. Right. But um and i'm glad you know when people this past summer we we were talking about this with other people who were also there and it was amazing how well the memories actually lined up because um you know how sometimes you 
think you remembered something a certain way. It didn't really happen. And you're like, I, I'm sure this happened. Nobody else remembers right, it. Right, the whole well, Rashomon thing. Yeah. Well, in this case, everybody seems to remember it from different angles the exact same way, which is reassuring. And just, I mean, this is totally your story. I will only give a little background that John Williams, I mean, he is very generous with his time and all this. So he, he conducts, you know, a fair number of orchestras and he obviously could charge whatever fee he might want. Anyway, he, he conducts a lot of orchestras because he enjoys doing it. But the, you know, the other side of that is that he really wants to conduct his more serious music and he wants to conduct the things that he's interested in conducting. So it's not all Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that. So for a while, he was reluctant, it seemed, to conduct some of his most popular movie scores. And I so, mean, we don't really know what the story is behind like, what the various popularity of the encores was. No, we don't, except that when he would conduct, there would always <laughs> there would be all these pieces that like nobody was clamoring to hear like even you know for an encore he'd do the the theme from nbc nightly news yeah the mission theme he was very into that i mean it's just personal preference i guess he just was like right i mean he i mean he's he's the man the tastemaker say what he (laughs) say what he wants to conduct you were going to join the mission theme if he were going to conduct if he were on facebook and conducted an online poll I guarantee you that the mission theme from NBC News would not figure in the top 25. You know what's, I mean, these days, sure. I mean, I, you know, I remember 15 years ago when it was probably, it was much more, people knew it. You know, I think you play it now, it would be like a third of the people would be like. I mean, 15 years ago, your parents knew it, but 15 years ago. Yeah, I wonder now they'd be like, what is that? Yeah, I recognize it, but I don't know what that is, probably. I don't think, I mean, the, the people that I teach, no, I mean conservatories. No, they they don't even know Karate Kid, so I yeah, don't think they know I mean, the NBC no. nightly news theme. I didn't watch the original Star Wars, so. Um, Boo. So, oh, so all right. So with that as background, please. So we finished the entire program of John Williams, which included some serious pieces, you know, like concertos for various instruments that he's written, and um, and he comes out for the encores, and the the audience seems to have been to these concerts before they know that the the encores were like the magic happens you know so that he comes out for the first encore and they're all saying nobody's left because they know they you know all eighteen thousand of them have been waiting for this moment and he comes out and he he's like oh i think you'll recognize this tune and everyone's like ah! you know they're like, <laughs> what's so, it gonna be yeah and some, <laughs> some witches we swick one guy screams superman so and then we start playing like Raiders, you know, which usually gets a huge, huge reception. You know, so I did. No, it was fine. So play Raiders. And then, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I ruined it. So I think it was mission theme. That's weird. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone was like, oh, all right, that's cool. You know, all right. I recognize <laughs> uh, that. Well, I, th- I think most people are like, John Williams wrote that. Yeah. And then they're like, wow, this is much longer than I expected. And then <laughs> so he comes, he comes out the second time. And again, people all know that there are going to be multiple encores. So nobody's left still. They're still sitting there and they're all screaming because they're hoping for, you know, something really awesome. And so he comes out and he's like, and I think at this point we've already played um, Imperial March. To be fair, if we've done Imperial March, we've already done E.T. And we've already mm-hmm. Close Encounters, you know, so the, the big ones are kind of already out of the way. So these are just like the little bonus chestnuts, you know, so people, people are like, ah, yeah, yeah, it comes still, out again. I mean, still some big gaps. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he, he's done so much he's, that it's true. impossible. You, you know, I think now we've covered a lot of it in these concerts, but, you know, back when it was like the bassoon concerto was on the program, yeah, you're going to miss a couple <laughs> standards, you know. So he comes out again and he's, you know, <laughs> this guy again, same guy screams, Superman! And um, he's like, yeah, I think, you, I think you'll know this one too. And starts playing, it's Raiders. This time it's Raiders. And everyone's screaming and really excited. So he comes out a third time, um, and you know, again, people are like so excited because you know who knows what amazing thing it's going to be. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I, I think you'll appreciate this one. And God, I, now I wish I could remember what it was. What could it? <laughs> well, what would it have been? I mean, it wasn't Raiders. It was. I'm sure it had to be some terrible disappointment. It was hooked I mean, e- or something. Was, maybe like. I mean, 
And actually, maybe you know, hook. hook is a that that's yeah, a, it's great a beautiful score. It's, yeah. Or no, we're just no, which is the we always did in the regular. What what year what would this have been? been? Like two thousand two thousand one? What was he yeah. doing? He was. Yeah, Schindler's List was ten years. Before no, that. it wasn't even that big. I forget what it was. I wish because the punchline would be better. He comes out again and he's like, "Oh, you know, I think you'll know this one." <laughs> this guy in the audience screams, "For the love of God, Superman!" And then. <laughs> Like we ended up, of course, I know we didn't play Superman. It was something oh. else, something else. And we always joked that this guy probably went home, put on Superman because he just couldn't take it anymore. Because <laughs> Superman is such a great theme. Like who- It really is. And actually, we just played a John Williams concert on tour. Where in we Edinburgh. played Superman, thank God. You know, I mean. Yeah, but that that is a tough first violin part. Although, you know I've- what? The printing has made a big difference. Because I yeah, mean, now that it's um, Star Wars used to be so incredibly. Div- I used to think of Star Wars as being almost just unplayable because yeah, the printing was so bad. Superman always comes at the end of a concert, and you're tired. Your left hand is fried. I mean, it, not only does it come at the end of a concert, it comes at the end of a John Williams concert, and I mean, my left hand is just done by that point. Yeah, I mean, people, yeah. I mean, I was, eh, people always think it's hard for brass. I mean, it is, you know, it is hard for brass. Sure, you're like running out of face, quote unquote, but <laughs> we're running out of hand, you know. <laughs> so there. I, it's just, if you think of the Superman thing, well, yeah, I mean, the violins. Um, yeah, who's, you, who's listening to that? Who The scale plays itself, right? I mean, you, you know where you're supposed to end up. It's just getting there. It's... Yeah, hopefully that gives you a taste of our bull experience and and yours and hopefully you you still want to come because i think you know my my sometimes my strong suit is uh convincing people to not do the things that i've been talking about no i I think even you have been fairly enthusiastic about the the overall experience of the bull i I i'm amazed they've really done a great job at just making it someplace it just has it has atmosphere which is like, yeah if you can get yourself it's there, like a kubrick movie you know like how do you get that i mean get yourself there don't drive or if you drive drive with a an orchestra musician that's right or a soloist cozy up to your local orchestra musician <laughs> or take the shuttle but just get yourself there bring some picnic food and drinks and it's gonna be a fun evening and you'll you'll see all the pied up features of orchestra musicians faces you'll see, you'll see what our state of dermatological care is and we'll see you next time on stand partners for life Thank you.